Economic uncertainty is causing the stock market to go wildly up and wildly down. And all kinds of people are prognosticating the doom and gloom of America and of, of the world. And we need to figure out what do we do with our cash? What we do with this channel is we value companies because ultimately inflation's 20, 30, 40%. If you own a company, that company is valued in the inflating currency and your value of your asset will grow with inflation. So let's dive into a company that is an absolute staple of the economy, of the global economy, and figure out what does this business tell us and if it is underpriced, should we buy it? If it's overpriced, does that mean we panic and sell everything? Ready? Let's take a look at FedEx. FedEx, the global shipper. Let's take a look at the, how much cash they make, how much debt they have, are they growing or shrinking? And we're going to figure out if we buy this stock now and hold it for 10 years, how much money can we make? Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the channel, all the comments and subscribers. I greatly appreciate it. This channel is dedicated to the cash flow investor, the hard asset buyer, the, the, the investor that's buying pure cash money and is not investing in speculative growth stocks or is not trying to bet on the stock price. It's going to ultimately continue to rise, but want to buy hard assets and cash flow. Now on this channel, we look at stocks with five key attributes and we're going to evaluate FedEx on those five key attributes as a starting point for due diligence. You find a company that meets all five, you put it and you begin to follow the stock and when it eventually comes into a buying period where it's an attractive price, that's when you can buy it. Our five key attributes are as follows. Number one, top line revenue growth. You want to see that top line revenue growing. Number two, earnings growth. We use EBITDA for earnings. You want to see it growing. Number three, strong free cash flow. Number four, low debt. That's less than three times debt to EBITDA. And number five, a well-priced stock. Number five is probably the hardest to find. Um, it's a well-priced stock, meaning it's a stock that with a conservative growth forecast, the IRR is expected to be above 10% on a risk-adjusted basis over a decade out. And that should beat the market. That's what we're trying to do. That's everyone's, every stock picker is just trying to, hopefully every stock picker, is trying to find stocks that outperform over the long term. And what we do here is we apply uh, some discipline, a conservative forecast, and we wait for the stock price to come to us to buy it. We're going to take a look at FedEx this week. Behind me, I have the Cashflow One pager, which Diogo, one of our analysts, has uh, is covering and has released into the Cashflow Club. So let's take a look at FedEx and figure out how much cash they make and if they're an interesting buy or not. Behind me, you have 10 years of data on FedEx. Their fiscal year end is coming up here in May. So a couple months after that, we will get the new annual 10K to read. But I wanted to take a guess, a guess, mind you, at what their fiscal uh, 2023 looks like and then understand what that means in terms of value. So behind me, you can see here 10 years of revenue for the business. I'll zoom in a little bit for you so it's a little bit easier to see. Uh, 2013, $44.2 billion of top line revenue for FedEx. And that has grown very steadily over this period of time. 45, 47, 40. 50, 60, 65, 69, 69, 83, and 93 billion dollars of revenue last fiscal year for FedEx. And that's an annual growth rate of 9% over these 10 year period of time on average. It's Kager, which is an incredible growth for an already massive company a decade ago. This company was doing $44 billion of commerce 10 years ago grew that revenue at a 9% annual rate for the next decade. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, good job for the, for the FedEx team to be able to produce numbers like that. And then what do they do with that? What kind of earnings do they make? Well, 
They are a heavy asset manufacturer. Uh, they have lots of competition. The margins are a little smaller, but they're still here and positive. EBITDA is our determination for earnings, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. It's a way of looking at a proxy for cash flow. It's not cash flow. We will get there in a second, but it's a proxy for cash flow on the income statement. And they produced $6.8 billion of EBITDA earnings in 2013 when they made $44 billion of, uh, of, of revenue. And that's that's probably 12, 13% EBITDA margin. And that has grown to 6.4, came down 4.4, 5.7, 7.5, 7.4, 7.86, 9.6, and a cool $10 billion of profit last year in 2022 when they made $93.5 billion of top line revenue. So that's, that's slightly around 10% or 11% or so of revenue on a margin, which is just barely over the double digit mark. And that themselves grew at 5% slower than revenue. So you could see a slight margin compression as they chase that top end dollar. They're going after business, which is a little bit less profitable, but it moves the top line up. Still profitable, still growing. Good job, FedEx. Let's take a look at the debt now. Debt, we're going to look at long-term and short-term debt and capital leases. And that's gone from $3 billion to $37 billion and it's grown at 33% annually. That's a really, really big move as I think everybody in this entire world has been suffering, suffering from low interest rates and has leveraged themselves in order to grow. They've acquired other businesses, they've bought back stock, they have um, expanded their operations by borrowing money, and, and, and FedEx is, no, is no, um, no different from any other company that feels that pressure to do so. So last year, they had $37 billion of debt. Market cap is the average price times the shares outstanding, and that market cap has gone from $31 billion to $55 billion over this 10-year time frame at a 7% annual growth rate. I add debt and, and market cap and I get enterprise value. Now, enterprise value is the true value of a business. You always want to take into consideration the debt load that a business has when you're looking at it. Remember, the stock market only trades the equity of a business and it completely ignores how much debt is on the books. You're only looking here when you see the stock ticker go up and down and the price that's quoted on the ticker. That is just this column and this column is not the value of the business. The value of the business is the enterprise value. So always want to add the debt. Take a look. Take the time to do so. That's gone from $34 billion to $92 billion, or growth rate of 12% annually. That growth rate is, is higher than the market cap growth rate because the debt has been growing. They've been leveraging themselves. And they've been buying back stock. They've been expanding. and They've been borrowing that money because rates are so low. The question is, what happens when rates rise? They have to pay that back eventually. All right, the last thing I want to talk about is a couple metrics that we use to value stocks, a relative value for, for value and then a relative metric for debt level. Let's take the debt level first. Debt divided by EBITDA. So this is taking the debt load here, dividing it by here. What does that mean? Well, if I have, let's say, $37 billion of debt and I make $10 billion annually, then that's what I use to pay the debt off and it'll take me just over three years to pay the debt down if I took all of my earnings and applied it to debt to pay the principal down. It's a way that we use, um, we use earnings to judge debt load and affordability. 
Can they afford it? And this is currently 3.6 times. And it's been slightly higher than that the last several years, 3.8, 4. It was much, much lower than that earlier in this decade. It was sub 1, which is wonderful, prior to this period. And it's slowly grown as they've accelerated their debt burden faster than earnings. And this is very important. You want to buy a company with less than three times debt. In this market, at this point in our economic cycle, you might even want to buy companies with less than two times debt. Why? A senior lender like a JP Morgan, a Wells Fargo, or a Citibank will typically give a business three times debt to EBITDA ratio as a covenant for their loan portfolio. Above that, you get into something called junior debt or mezzanine capital, preferred equity. There's a whole, whole range of different capital structures you can use to finance the operation, but basically the, the, the further away from the senior piece you get, A, interest rate goes up, and B, the harder it is to pay back. Uh, so for you as a common stock holder, the people buying this stuff here, you want as little debt in front of your equity as possible for protection. For example, if this was zero, if they had zero debt in, and, and um, FedEx had trouble with financially, they could easily borrow money from the bank and uh, it wouldn't really affect the business at all. But now that they're fully leveraged at 3.8, if let's say we go into, I don't know, an economic contraction and you're fully leveraged, then what happens to earnings? Earnings fall, but debt stays the same. So this ratio goes way up. And it's gonna be very hard for the business, not, very, not for FedEx, they're huge, but, but in general, it becomes more difficult for businesses to raise additional capital that's not equity capital as that leverage increases. And as a result, the risk to you and I of equity owners of bankruptcy grows. So you wanna be careful about that. Next, enterprise value EBITDA, that's a relative value of a price multiple. It's just saying the entire business here is worth $92 billion as of last fiscal year. And it produced $10 billion in earnings. So that's basically 9.1 years of earnings to pay back itself. It's a relative value measure that lets you compare one company to the next fairly quickly. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it's a gauge. And what you'll see with this gauge is that you can see historically this business has traded as cheaply as five times. So you could have bought this company a decade ago for only five times earnings and then experienced this growth rate over time had you purchased at that low multiple. You would receive earnings growth, I bet you share buyback and market multiple expansion, which for us is our trifecta. That's how you get the hockey stick, hockey stick curve um, in a stock price, that's what you want. You do not want to buy the stock at a high multiple at 12 times and have that multiple work against you and depress the stock price. So I think this one is pretty fairly valued at nine. Let's, we'll keep going and see where it goes. But it gives you the trading range of how um, where this business generally lies. Now let's pick up on cash flow. So cash flow is where the rubber meets the road. On this one pager, again, that you can find on our website, Cash Flow Investing Pro. Com. If you join the Cashflow Club, we produce these one-pagers, such as Diogo, the analyst that covers uh, FedEx. He's released this uh, just this week, and I wanted to cover it for you. So let's take a look at adjusted cash flow from operations. CFO is cash flow from operations. That's the first third of the cash flow statement. When you look at a 10K, you get the balance sheet first. Why does the balance sheet come first? Well, back in the days, the, the uh, gentlemen investors only bought bonds. Stocks were for the... Um, the, 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 the ne'er-do-wells, if you will. And so the balance sheet always came first because that's what people wanted to look at because they were buying the bonds. Nowadays, people don't want bonds, they want stock. Anyways, I digress. 
the balance sheet comes first, income statement comes second, cash flow statement comes third, cash flow statement and income statement are measured over time, the balance sheet is measured at a point in time. Cash flow from operations is the first third of the cash flow statement, then you have investing and financing. So cash flow from operations, I say it adjusted because we, we, we expense stock-based comp, make a couple changes here to get to a better number. 2013, they made uh, $4.5 billion of adjusted free cash flow, and that has grown at a 9% annual CAGR to $9.6 billion last fiscal year. And that growth rate of nine ties nicely with the growth rate of 5% from the EBITDA growth rate. And that means the income statement growth rate and the cash flow statement growth rate are going in the same direction. They don't have to be the same number, but they have to be going in the same direction over a long period of time. That is a great accounting check. It means the great people in the accounting department are expensing expenses properly, or at least it's a check that they are doing. So they made $9.6 billion last year. CapEx, CapEx is how much they have to peel back from that business to put back in the earnings. So what happens is at the end of the year, they have a giant pile of jack here. That jack is $9.6 billion because that's what they made in pure cash last year. What do they have to do? First thing, you have to reinvest in the business. To keep the machine running, you have to oil it. That oil costs $6.7 billion. That's new planes, new equipment, new equipment, new warehouse facilities, new trucks, tires, probably not tires, that's expense. Uh, I don't know, new engines, new paint, all that stuff to keep the machine running, which is required to generate this cash in the, in the, in, in the first place, you got to put back. So, $9.6 billion of Jack sitting here. The board of directors, executive team says, we're going to put back in the business $6.7 billion. Here you go. That leaves about $3 billion left over of pure cash that they can then do what? Got to pay the bank back. That pays debt back right here. This is your debt payment. And because they borrowed so much and they're over leveraged, in my opinion, they're going to have to pay that back over time, especially now that interest rates are rising. This debt here is becoming more and more expensive to maintain. And they're going to have to take this free cash flow where they only paid $161 billion last million, where they only paid $161 million of principal last year. They're going to have to be paying $2 billion or so annually to bring that number down so that they're less leveraged. So I digress, $2 billion, $3 billion of cash flow left over. They decided not to pay any debt down. And that's, they're left with $2.7 billion of pure cash that is available to you and I as equity owners because you generated it, you reinvested some cash, you paid the bank back what's left over, you can dividend, you can buy back stock, you can hold in the balance sheet, or you can go make acquisitions. Those are the four things you can do with that cash, and that's it. And anything you do, it belongs to the equity holders. They're going to get it in some form or the other, either, either cash up front or greater stock value because there's fewer stocks outst st shares outstanding, or you bought some company, and now the two companies are worth more than the one. And what have they decided to do with it? Well, lo and behold, they've been buying back stock. 317 million shares outstanding last decade, and it's come down to 266 million, minus 2%. That means every single year, they are reaching in the stock market, they're buying shares, they're tearing them up. And if you, as a stock owner, bought the company back in 2013 for only five times market multiple, that's an amazing deal. That means you bought a company for five times earnings at $6.8 billion of earnings. Number one, 
earnings grow. Earnings grew from 6.8 to 10 billion, kudos. Number two, the shares outstanding went to three, from 317 million to 266. That's, a, that's a, a fantastic. That means the, the ownership interest in this earnings has, has, has shrunk, meaning your ownership percentage has gone up. And lastly, the market multiple was from five to nine, it expanded. So FedEx was a trifecta over the last decade, an absolute hockey stick return if you bought the stock when it was reasonable, if you were disciplined about paying a, a, a reasonable price for a stock, because I bet you, had you looked at the economic return of FedEx in 2013, when you could buy it five times and put a conservative growth forecast with, with mild growth, rate, not, not even 5%, I'm talking 2%, it probably would have penciled out that you would have been able to sell that business for greater than 5%, 5X, uh, out 10 years, and it would have had a market beating return. And lo and behold, what happened is it produced that. So the question is now, what do you do? Now this business has been leveraged as they bought back stock. Interest rates have risen. This stock is now more expensive. This cash flow that they come through, cash flow operation to CapEx is already thin. It's going to get even thinner as they have to buy down debt. So this cash flow that's coming to buy back shares, I think that's going to slow down or stop. <clears throat> And that means that less free cash flow is available to you and I as FedEx has to repair its balance sheet, especially if the economy declines and earnings fall. Because what happens if earnings fall, it means that this debt ratio gets out of whack. And as it grows, the bank starts getting skittish. And there are things called covenants inside loans that require banks, excuse me, that require businesses to pay down debt faster if you start getting up near covenants. You do not want to break those, and so businesses will divert cash away from dividends, away from share buybacks, to pay down debt if they get in a tight spot. So I think overall, this is pretty interesting for FedEx. They're growing revenue, growing earnings. They have high amount of debt, then uh, they have thin free cash. Let's figure out if they're well-priced or not by forecasting this business. Okay, now forecasting this business, I have two forecasts that we're going to do. We're going to do an EBITDA forecast and we're going to do a free cash flow forecast. Again, all of this is available in the one pager that we produce at cashflowinvestingpro.com. Join the cash flow one pager and get access to all of these reports for a lot of different companies, some of which, in fact, one I just released, uh, in fact, just today when I'm filming this, is estimated to return, estimated to return over 30% over the next decade. I think it's a very interesting stock and could get even better if the economy melts down more, the stocks get cheaper, and you want to be able to buy the best companies. So save your dry powder. Things, things might get cheaper. Okay, so here's our forecast. We're declining earnings by almost 10% year over year. And if you look at the last three quarters of FedEx, those have been down year over year. As the kind of economy tightens, as the consumer realizes that their price for their basic goods of foods uh, and clothing and so forth has gone up so much, that's less for other durable or uh, other consumables, which is what FedEx moves. And so therefore their earnings are kind of coming down a little bit, not to mention their own employees want raises and the cost of fueling is more expensive for them as well. So we're going to hit earnings a little bit for a year of 9%. We're then going to grow it at a low 3 to 4% over a decade, which could be a more aggressive forecast. Right? We could see a much harder contraction, and this could go, go even further, or it could be a blip 
the Fed starts printing money again because they don't have the actual stones to weather a downturn and see the deflation, which we actually need. So they start printing money to get the economy going back up and you get kind of a roaring back forecast of three, 4%. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what the future is. What we're trying to do is we're trying to look historically at a business and say, what's the position, what's the financial health of the business? And given the huge uncertainty going forward, is it worth buying or not? So this has three and 4% growth as a nine times market multiple out 10 years, which gives me just shy of 13 billion of EBITDA in 2032. I apply a nine times market multiple to that and I get $116 billion of uh, enterprise value. I subtract some debt that I have, basically the same amount of debt, $37 billion, uh, and I get a market cap of $80 billion. Divide by shares outstanding, and I get a long-term price forecast for FedEx based on EBITDA market multiple approach of $298 a share. Okay, let's do the same thing for free cash flow. Free cash flow forecast, $6.90. Six cents that's down 35% year over year as they pay down debt, and as the contraction happens, margins are thin, cash flow is going to fall even faster. Then we can turn around and we grow it equal to EBITDA just to, to show some kind of recovery, and I get a long term forecast of $9.74 out 10 years from now. I apply a 3% yield to that, and I get a price target of $324 for FedEx out 10 years based on a free cash flow method. Now when we put this into a forecast, we get our free cash flow here. You buy the stock where it's currently trading at $227. I sell it at 313. I get this net free cash flow and it only yields a 7% IRR. I think this is indicating to you that the stock itself is fully valued, especially on the cusp of what could be an economic slowdown. This to me presents a very risky opportunity. We've got a drop in cash next next year, but then it immediately grows three to four percent out for the next decade. That could be a rosy forecast for a strong economic downturn, which may happen. And if that does happen, I think that's going to affect the stock price dramatically, and you're not going to hit your seven percent return. So on a risk-adjusted basis, if you think, well, what it, what could happen in the future? How bad could it get? And what do I think about this return relative to the forecast? At this point in the stock market, I would not be risking capital for a 7% return. I think cash is an option on the future. So you hold cash, you wait for the market decline, and you buy something at a better price. If not, there are other stocks that are returning estimated higher than this, and you go look someplace else. I think that's what you're seeing, and that's what kind of Diogo was, in, was, was talking about in his write-up when he was writing about this business, that it is a, a stable company. It is an economic, uh, st stable business, uh, and is tied to the economy, and you want to own something like this. It's a great business, but there's a time to buy something like this, and I'm not sure right now is the time. Uh, if you can get it at 5 or six times enterprise value EBITDA, that seems a much better risk reward trade-off. Never mind what's going on in the forecast in the economy. You don't know what's gonna happen in the future at all. But if you asked me if I could buy this business at five or six times EBITDA, would I? I absolutely would. No matter what I think is going on in the future, uh, that to me is cheap for a multi-billion dollar business such as FedEx. So I'll give you a little distribution curves <clears throat> down below. You got, if, if the stock price is currently $2.28. It's estimated based on this forecast to make a 7% return. 
If the stock price goes up to 300, that economic return drops dramatically. I wouldn't even be touching it. If it comes back down below, let's say $185 a share, it becomes start be, starts to become more attractive. So let's recap. Where are we with FedEx? Let's do the five key attributes. Number one, top line revenue growth is growing. Check the box. Number two, EBITDA. EBITDA is growing. Check the box. Number three, cash flow is not strong. It is it is it is weak. I'll, I'm gonna I'm not gonna check that box. <clears throat> Number four, debt. It's over levered at more than three times and well priced. No, it is not. So it gets two checks out of the five. Again. Cash flow is weak because it's going to have to pay down the amount of debt that it has, and that's going to be a priority over buying back stock and overpaying the dividend, although they're probably not going to cut. Debt is too high. They borrowed a tremendous amount when it was cheap to buy back stock and boost earnings per share. Be very, very careful if you only value companies on EPS and you look at EPS growth over time. If you've ignored the fact that the debt balance has grown or ballooned in this case, as they use that debt to buy back their own stock to boost EPS, then you're looking at a business that is is, is lying to you. Uh, you want to look at enterprise level revenue and earnings. Don't worry about the shares at this point. You want a business that's growing its regular whole earnings. Then if they can buy back stock, you get even more of a bounce, but it must be growing earnings. And number f and the last point, a well-priced stock. I don't think this is the point to buy the stock. I like the company. I like everything about it. Uh, I think they need to buy down debt. And I think it needs to be cheaper before we get into it. So this is a review of the Cashflow One page. You can find it on my website, cashflowinvestingpro.com. We've got five analysts that produce one pagers like this and a whole variety of companies. I jump in there and make comments as well. If you like that, if you want to learn to be an analyst, you can uh, you can ping me. Uh, I'll respond if you're if you're interested in learning how to do it. But if you want to buy a course and understand how to do it yourself to make forecasts for yourself, check out my investing course. It'll teach you how to run a model. I give you an Excel sheet. We go through Apple and I teach you how to do this for yourself. All right, this has been Rational Investing with Cameron Stewart. I really appreciate the time. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, it helps me out. Share it on social media. I really appreciate that. And let me know what are the stocks you want. Uh, I'm happy to take recommendations. Throw them in the comments. <clears throat> Ping me. I'm online if you want. And uh, we can review stocks and talk about value. I uh, really appreciate the time. Happy hunting for stocks. And uh, be careful out there. It's going to get a little rocky. All right, take care. Bye-bye.